Um, we, we sort of dubbed July as, as, as Biblical Prophecy Month. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how you get this done in a month. And how, this is something I've been battling with all this week. How do you teach on the tribulation in 30 minutes? It's like, you know, it's like, how many have ever been to the Biltmore house in Asheville? Yeah, it's like trying to describe the Biltmore in a sentence. And that's sort of what, that's what this is like. Try, how, do you, how do you try to teach the tribulation in one 30-minute service? I mean, it's, it's really, it's almost, almost an impossibility. And uh, this is something that you could really spend, you could spend a month, a full month, uh, every service talking about. But we're going to do our best today, at least just to, to give you the thumbnail uh, version of this. And so Matthew chapter number 24 in your Bibles, and uh, when you find your place, if you'll stand today, that'd be great. If you're able to stand, that is. It's great to have all of our visitors with us today. It's good to have my dad back with us again today, and that's a blessing. And uh, I was thinking, you know, while Miss Lori was singing, my mind went back, and I was thinking, when dad used to teach Sunday school, dad would... Dad would uh, Dad really took Sunday school very important, and he would study and study and study and study. And I can remember uh, going out where Dad would study, and I can remember him having his Bible lent out, and then he'd have Unger's Bible Dictionary, and then he'd have Dr. McGee's commentaries, and then he'd have all this other. He'd have you know all these books around him, and he never felt like he he never felt like he uh, had enough prepared. And then of course when he got to Sunday school, of course he had so much prepared he couldn't get it all in. So he's the one that did that to me, all right? So, uh, so I'm looking over the outline while Lori's singing. I'm like, Lord, how are we going to get all this in? I mean, it's, uh, it's just too much, but we're going to do our best to give you an idea of the tribulation period. You know, you're, if you're visiting with us today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I hope you'll hear me out today. Uh, we taught last week, we taught on the rapture of the church, actually two weeks ago. We, and, and then last week, we sort of did a, a follow-up. But we talked about the rapture of the church. And one of the things that we mentioned was the rapture of the church is something we, we call imminent, overhanging. It could happen any moment. And, uh, and those who are caught away in the rapture, the, those that are believers will be caught away in the rapture, but many are going to be left behind. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, boy, I hope you'll give me your undivided attention. Because what we're going to talk about today is not make-believe. It's going to sound like it. It's going to sound like something that was uh, concocted in Hollywood by some producer. But what we're talking about today is straight from the Word of God. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to do my best to describe it to you and for you, but I can't. There's really no way that I can. And so... Let's look at Matthew 24 in our Bibles, and we're going to read the first 13 verses, so we're going to read a little more than we normally read, and so look there, if you, if you will, with me, Matthew 24, verse 1. The Bible says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building, buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came in him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. 
For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. The Bible says all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about God's prophetic calendar of events concerning the end times. And specifically, I want to talk to you about the tribulation period, the tribulation period. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessings, and thank you for the opportunity to be back in the Lord's house today. Holy Spirit, now I pray that you would help our mind not to be distracted. I pray that you'd help our mind to be on the truth that you've given me in the study. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be able to, uh, Lord, to teach it, to preach it to your people in the way you want it brought forth. We pray for the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would edify the saints. And God, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, I pray that you would warn those that may be here in this service and maybe everybody thinks that they're saved, but they know in their heart of hearts that they're lost and on their way to heaven. And God, I pray today they come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, help us now. Be with us. Go with us into this part of the service and I pray that the word of God would come alive in our hearts and our minds, touch us physically. God, I, I pray that you might bind the powers of darkness. God, keep them away from this place, this people, and yes, even this preacher. And I pray, Lord, that your blessing might be here today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. Let me ask you something real quick. First of all, anybody too cool this morning? Raise your hand if you're too cool today. Too cool, too cool. Okay, we have several hands. And so, Brother Rick, if you'll make sure you just take care of that. And I know some of you are not too cool, but some of you are. I want to make sure nobody is distracted today, all right? Because I want you to get the truth. I want you to get the truth today. So this is how we started two weeks ago. Basically, there are eight events that we can expect in the end times. Number one, the rapture of the church. And we learned with the rapture of the church that believers are going to be called away. Then the seven years, what we're calling the seven years of tribulation on the earth, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the lamb, the second coming of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment, and then and finally, eternity in heaven where the Bible talks about new heavens and a new earth. Now, there are three events that will transpire somewhat simultaneously after the rapture of the church. Not exactly simultaneous, but, uh, simultaneously, but, but close. And that, that's these three events, the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe, especially after what we learned last week, being this, that the very first thing that you and I will see in heaven will be a throne, according to John. 
The first thing that John saw when he was caught away was a throne. Before he saw streets of gold, gates of pearl, a crystal river, John saw a throne. We know the first thing that Isaiah saw when given that heavenly revelation was a throne. In fact, if anything, Isaiah mentions it quicker than the apostle John mentions it. If that be the case, and I believe it is, I believe that that very soon, maybe immediately after the rapture of the church, I believe the judgment seat of Christ will convene. And now the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for sinners. The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for saved. Now we'll get into that later, not today. Then the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to take place. And what a wonderful time that's going to be. And and uh, again, not, not something that is designed for sinners, something that is designed for the saved. But at some point following the rapture of the church, we know that the earth will experience seven years of tribulation. Now, as we begin today, let me ask a question. Have you ever wondered what will life be like following the rapture? And so if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. Well, praise the Lord. That's a blessing. And so that means if the rapture of the church took place in the next five seconds, that means that you would be raptured away. That means that you'd be snatched out. You'd be caught away. But if you ever wondered about this, what's life going to be like after the rapture of the church? What's the quality of life going to be like for those that, that actually are left behind, those that have to endure the tribulation period? What is, what is life going to be like? Well, as I begin this morning, let me just mention this. There are some who believe that we're in the tribulation right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you'll study the Word of God like you need to study the Word of God, and after careful study, I'm going to be honest, there, there's not even a chance we're in the tribulation. Not, not even a chance of it. I'm telling you, our quality of life now is amazing, especially in America. Good night, how many know we're blessed beyond measure? Man, oh man, I'm telling you. You know what? The poorest of our people are richer than a lot of people in third world countries. And so our quality of life, man, if you've got shoes on your feet and, and uh, you, you may not have T-bone or filet mignon in the fridge, but you know what? If you've got beanie weenies or macaroni and cheese, then you're blessed today. If you've got a roof over your head and clothes on your back and and we have an amazing quality of life here, but I'm telling you, when the tribulation period happens, that quality of life is going to drastically change, drastically change. Now, let me, let me give you three thoughts today about the tribulation period that's going to convene on the earth here. First thing I want you to notice this, number one, there will be an abounding of iniquity. Pastor, what's it going to be like? The rapture of the church takes place, trumpet of God sounds, the church is called away, and the tribulation begins. What is that time going to be like on the earth for those that are, that are left behind? Well, number one, there will be an abounding of iniquity. For those that are left behind, it is not, it is not, and I'll not have time to do this justice today, but it is not going to be a good time to be alive. Now, notice, if you will, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, and look at verse number 12. And look what our Bible says. The Bible says in verse number 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, I want to take a minute, and I want to uh, see if we can break that up for you just a little bit today. That word iniquity is the Greek word anomia, and it means this. It means the idea of lawlessness. 
It is the, it is the absolute epitome of wickedness is what that means, iniquity. And because iniquity shall abound, it means a violation of law. I mean direct violation of law. And the Bible says that when the tribulation period begins, that iniquity, that wickedness, that lawlessness, absolute lawlessness will abound. Now that word abound is also a very interesting word. It's the Greek word plesino, and it means multiply or multiplication. In other words, church, this is what our Bible's teaching us, that when the tribulation period begins on the earth, it's telling us this, that iniquity will multiply. Now, you say, Pastor, it's already bad, and you'd be right about that. It is already bad. I mean, you can't hardly watch the television nowadays because it's so bad. You can't hardly send your kids to public school anymore because it's so bad. I mean, we have, uh, listen, laws are not being passed. They've already been passed in the country of Canada that pastors can be jailed for preaching on homosexuality. And, uh, and, and, and if we think for half a second that that's not moving south, uh, it's going to come this, it's going to come this direction. Now, why is that? Because we are living in a time of incredible iniquity, incredible wickedness. But what our Bible is trying to teach us here is this, that when the tribulation period occurs, you haven't seen anything yet. Iniquity is going to literally, is, li is literally going to saturate. It's going to saturate the earth. It is going to be an overwhelming sense of wickedness. Then you say, Pastor, how bad? Well, uh, let me tell you what it's going to be like. It's going to be like the environment of Noah's day. Where the Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's also interesting that in the same chapter that we read just a moment ago in Matthew chapter 24 that the Lord mentions Noah. Look what he says in Matthew 24, verse 37. The Bible says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that, that, that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so there's going to be an abounding, an abounding, a multiplication of wickedness and iniquity. Now, let me point something out this morning, church, and that's this. The abounding of iniquity, this abounding of iniquity is gonna result in human coldness like never before. Now people say, well, pastor folks are pretty cold nowadays. You're right about that. People won't help people anymore. People don't mind cutting you off. People don't mind cussing you out. People don't mind, listen, if it's not bolted down, they'll steal it. You know, we were having this conversation the other day. I remember growing up as a boy when I was growing up as a boy, you didn't even have to lock the churches. Churches were unlocked. And you could pretty much go to a church any time of the week 
And you know what? They did that on purpose. They left the churches unlocked in case people wanted to go to the church and pray. And you know what, man? You've got to lock it down and put security systems in and cameras around uh, because if it's not locked down, bolted down, people will, people will steal it. But the Bible's telling us this, that when the tribulation period occurs, that this abounding of iniquity is going to result in human coldness. Look what he says in verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, look, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many shall wax cold. And again, you know here at church that I love to do word studies and I believe there's power in words. And, and, uh, and so I looked up that word cold. The love of many shall wax cold. It's the Greek word, get this church, it's the Greek word psycho. You know we're headed in a bad direction when it says psycho. <clears throat> we're living in psycho times right now, that's the truth. It means psycho, but listen to this. When the Bible says cold, it literally means to breathe voluntarily, but gently. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you. Have you ever heard someone say this? He is barely breathing. Have you ever, have you ever had to call 911 and the, the paramedics got there and, and they rolled in and you said, and they said, is he alive? And you said this, he's breathing, but barely. He's alive, but barely. That's exactly what Matthew 24, verse 12 is teaching us, that when the tribulation occurs, love for fellow man will barely be alive. I mean, it will barely, barely be alive. No wonder the Bible says in verse number nine, look what it says in verse nine, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake, look verse 10, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and ye shall be, uh, and, uh, and shall hate one another. Now, don't turn there. I'll just read this for you. In Mark chapter 13 and listen to verse number 12, and this is talking about tribulation. Mark 13 verse 12, the Bible says, now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be, hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto them the same shall be saved. Oh, I, I just, I, I just, the Bible's trying to paint us a picture here that somebody says, well, you know what, pastor? I'm not gonna get saved now. I'm gonna wait and see if all this comes to pass. And I'm telling you, church, if you wait for the tribulation period, you're in store for quite the wake-up call. Iniquity is gonna abound and the love of many is gonna wax cold. There's gonna be a climate. There's gonna be an environment of lawlessness, anarchy, wickedness, and then the love of many is gonna, listen, the love of mankind will barely, barely, barely be breathing. That's what our Bible's teaching us. Now, somebody says, Pastor, why? Why is that? Why is it that iniquity in the tribulation period, why is it that iniquity will abound? And here's the answer to that question. Because the thing that's been hindering that iniquity is gonna be removed. Now take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number two. 2 Thessalonians chapter number two. And I know I gotta pick up, pick up the pace here, but... So much to say. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, 
And look at verse number six. Somebody says, Pastor, why is it that when the tribulation begins that there will become this climate of wickedness and lawlessness and, and, uh, and iniquity and, and uh, coldness and because the thing that's hindering iniquity will be removed. It's gonna be extracted. Have you ever done this? This is terrible. Have you ever had to go to the dentist? And the dentist said, you need an extraction. And you're like, oh, no. You know what that meant? I'm going to pull, I'm gonna have to remove that tooth. I'm going to have to pull that tooth out. Well, the Bible says there's going to be something. When the tribulation begins, there's going to be something that's extracted. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 6. The Bible says, and now ye know what withholdeth. Notice that word, what withholdeth. It's the Greek word kachiko, and it means to hold or to hold back. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. It's talking about the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now let's go back a minute. If you have a King James Bible, and I hope you do, look what it says. Only he who now letteth, that King James word letteth is, is the same word as hinder or restrain. So you could say it like this, only he who now hinders or only he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the Bible tells us that there is something, there's something in the world right now that's actually hindering, okay? The Bible tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. Now, now church, just think with me right now. If the rapture, took place today, that means you may have already saw the Antichrist. You may have saw him on Fox News or CNN. He, he may be alive and well in the generation we're living in right now. I'm talking about that one that the Bible refers to as a beast, the beast. And it refers to him as that beast because he is gonna be the epitome of that. He is gonna be absolutely like nothing the world has ever seen. But the Bible tells us that there is something in the world right now that's hindering that. It's hindering that spirit of lawlessness from coming on the scene. You say, preacher, what is it? And by the way, when that thing is removed, let me tell you what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be like a dam that burst. You ever saw, you ever saw that? Maybe there's a storm or a hurricane. And, uh, and there's a dam that's holding this water back and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it just gets too much and the dam begins to crack and all of a sudden the dam begins to fall away and here comes that rushing water, hundreds and thousands of gallons of water and it just literally just sweeps everything away in its path. Or have you ever saw this? Have you ever saw some skiers up on a, on a mountain and they're skiing down the mountain and all of a sudden, Somebody cries out, avalanche. And I mean thousands and thousands of tons of snow begin crashing down the mountain. And literally, it begins to just take everything out of its path. Did you know that's exactly what the tribulation period's gonna be like? 
When this thing the Bible's talking about, when this thing is taken out and that restraining power is no longer here, it's going to be like a dam that bursts. It's going to be like an avalanche coming down the mountain and literally, literally, oh, iniquity is going to take over. Now you say, Pastor, what is that? What is that restraining power? Well, some believe that hindering power is government. Government. That somehow it's the government that's keeping evil from taking over in the world. Now, if you believe that, I'm, I love you and I'm not, I, we won't debate about it. There's no sin debating about it, but I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't believe that. I don't believe it's government that's keeping evil from taking over for three reasons. Number one, because government seems to be getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Number two, because governments are already promoting evil. So to try to say, well, you know what? It's our government that's holding evil back. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Our government's promoting it. They're promoting it. But number three, the Antichrist will reign over governments. And so I don't believe that it's government that's holding it back. By the way, you can look this up in your Bible later. Daniel 7, 24 and 25, Revelation 11, verse 15, Revelation 16, verse 14. I don't have time to, to go to all those today, but I do believe this, that government is not the hindering force. There are some believe that this hindering power is the Holy Spirit. And I want to be honest with you, I've taught that for, for many, many years. And I, by the way, I believe that there is some accuracy to that. They believe that this, this power that's holding back the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of God. But church, think with me. The Holy Spirit can't be removed completely because the Holy Spirit is necessary for salvation. And many are going to be saved during the tribulation period, the Bible tells us. Listen to these verses. John chapter three, verse number five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And so uh, what is this restraining power that's gonna be taken out? And, and when this restraining power is taken out, lawlessness is gonna, is gonna literally reign on the earth if it's not government and if it's not entirely the Holy Spirit, then I really believe this. The hindering power then must be the church. It must be the church. Now, you're in 2 Thessalonians, I believe. I want you to turn back to the left and go to 1 Thessalonians. And I want you to look, if you will, at, at, at chapter 4, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. What is this power, pastor, that's keeping the, 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 the powers of evil at bay. And when this power is finally taken away, evil is gonna reign on the earth. Well, you know what? It must be the church. First Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. All of a sudden we find the church being removed. And I believe this, that when the church is removed, iniquity is going to abound. Can you imagine the church, now think with me, the church being absent? Can you imagine not having a church to attend? I'm not talking about in, in Union Grove. I'm talking about in North Carolina. I'm talking about in the Southeast. I'm talking about in the United States of America. There's not a church that you, you can attend. 
Think about it, church. We live in the Bible Belt, and by the way, praise the Lord that we do. Did you know there are areas in America that are much more conservative? You know that's not by accident. You know why the area that you live in right now is much more conservative than, say, Los Angeles, where our, our kids are today? You know why that is? We say just difference of people. No, no, no. You know why there are some areas that are much more conservative than others? I'll tell you why. Because there are much more churches there. And churches are preaching the gospel and they're preaching holiness and they're preaching righteousness. And by the way, thank God we live in one of those areas, but the church will be gone. Think about this. No more gospel radio broadcasts. No more revival meetings, no more Bible conferences, no more evangelistic campaigns, no more tract distribution, no more Bible preaching, no more distributing of Bibles, no more missionaries, and no more prayers being offered before meals. The church is going to be gone. Now, what is the church? Think about this. What is the church? What's the Bible tell us the church is? The church is, number one, salt. The church is salt. Now, what does salt do? You know what what salt does? Salt cleanses. And salt purifies. I'll tell you something else. Salt heals. But how about this? Salt preserves. It preserves. But boy, how many know this is true? Salt can serve as an irritation. You ever got salt and sore? You ever had a sore on your foot or your leg or something like that and went down and stepped in the ocean? And then you came back out like, oh man, you know, you know what happened? That salt got in that sore and that salt can serve as an irritant. Did you know that the church today is serving as an irritant to this world? But there's coming a day when the salt's gonna be taken away. That which purifies, that which cleanses, that which heals, That which preserves is going to be taken out. What is the church? The church is salt. What is the church? Listen to this. What is the church? The church is light. The church is light. What did Jesus tell us? Don't hide your light under a bushel. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to to set our light on a hill. You say, Pastor, why are we supporting more missionaries? Why are we having, why are we going on more radio stations? Why are we uh, printing Bibles? Why are we printing gospel tracts? Why are we having Bible school? Why are we doing what we do? We do that because we're supposed to be a light that's set on a hill. Why? Because we want people to see the light. We're not the light, but we know who is the light. Jesus is the light. But Calvary, listen to me. There is coming a day when the light is gone. Boy, you talk about dark. You ever been in a place? Brother Walter, we were talking about that mine shaft the other day. I was talking about elevator. I was talking about that Burj Khalifa over in Dubai. Brother Walter came out and he said, Preacher, let me tell you about an elevator. He said, when I work in the coal mine, he said, you don't have an elevator. And he said, man, that thing would take off. And he said, you'd finally get down there to the bottom and it'd start doing this number to slow down. You ever been down in a coal mine? You ever been somewhere where there was not any natural light at all and all of a sudden you cut the light off? How many know that's darkness? Church, did you know there's coming a day when the light is going out? The light's gonna be taken away and wickedness will literally saturate this earth. Listen, that was my longest point. 
It's 1218. So don't get worried. And so there'll be an abounding of iniquity, but number two, quickly. Look at this church. Number two, there'll be an abomination of desolation. Matthew 24, verse 15. Look back there, if you will. Matthew 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Matthew 24, 15. That's where I was just reading. The abomination of desolation. Somebody says, Pastor, what is that? During the tribulation, our Bible tells us that the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple. Brother Rusty might talk a little bit about that tonight, maybe. But the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple to be worshiped as God. Now, in a nutshell, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that Christian worship will be disallowed. Are you with me? There'll be no no more walking down to the local church. There'll, There'll be no more carrying your Bible in public. There'll be no more trying to openly raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because Christian worship will be disallowed and the only worship allowed in the world will be worship of the beast, worship of the Antichrist. That'll be the only worship that's going to be allowed. By the way, we find a picture of that back in the Old Testament, don't we? In Daniel chapter number three, the Bible talks about Nebuchadnezzar and how he set up a, how he set up a, 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 an image and he said, listen, when the, when the music begins to play, the whole kingdom's got to bow down and worship this image. And we know there were three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow. And of course, we know God saved them. Hey, listen, there's coming a day in the tribulation period when the Antichrist will demand that people fall down and worship him and receive a number and receive a number. Hey, church, in this great news, God calls you by a name. The Antichrist will call you by a number. Well, thank God we serve a personal Savior. He's so personal, he knows you by name. And so we see there will be an abounding of iniquity. There will be an abomination of desolation. we got to bring this thing to a close. Look at this and we're done. But hang in there with me. There will be an atrocious standard of living. Now you say, Pastor, how bad is it going to be? Can I show you? Would you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Revelation chapter 9? You say, I, I, I know, Pastor, you've been to Bible college and you, you preachers, you know, y'all try to really drum it up and really make it sound, you know, you really try to make it really sound glamorous. Listen, church, there's no way I can make this sound as dramatic as it's really going to be. Revelation 9, find verse number 6. Let me show you how bad the tribulation is going to be. Revelation 9, verse 6, the Bible says, and in those days, what days? Tribulation days. And in those days, Revelation 9, 6, and in those days shall men seek. What are they going to seek? In those days shall men seek death. Wait a minute. It doesn't end there, does it? And shall not find it. And shall desire to die. 
and death shall flee from them. You say, Pastor, what's that even mean? Listen, you know what? I, I believe it means what it says. Amen. I believe it's going to be so bad that men will do their best to commit suicide and suicide will flee. Yeah. That means a man's going to take a revolver and he's going to inflict a, a, a gunshot wound and his body's going to bleed and his body's going to be in, um, in excruciating pain and yet he will not die. That means a man's going to be on the top of a building and jump off of a building and his body's going to splat on the concrete and his bones will be broken and his body will be, uh, will be mangled and yet somehow or another he's not going to die. And so it's going to be so, so bad in the tribulation period that men will just say, uh, they'll say to the rocks, fall on us and cover us from his face. Now, two things and we're done. You say, Pastor, what's going to cause life to be so bad? And we have no time to get this in today. But what's going to cause life during the tribulation to be so bad that men will seek to die and death will flee? Well, I wrote two things down, and, and these are just two, two, two main things. Number one, demonism will saturate the earth. Demonism will saturate the earth. Look in your Bibles at Revelation chapter number 18. Look at verse number two. It's 1224. We're doing great today. Hang in there with me. Revelation 18, verse number two. Look at this, church. Revelation 18, verse two. The Bible says, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. When the Bible talks about birds there, it's, it's referring to demonic beings. It's talking about devils. And our Bible tells us that earth will become the habitation. It, it, will, it will become the, the abode of devils. It will become the prison of devils. Now you say, is that, is that important? And it is important, and I'll tell you why. Because that's not where we are right now. Right. Now, is it bad? Yes. Is Satan in the world? Yes. Does he tempt you and me? Yes. But did you know our Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that Satan and his angels are the prince and power of the, of the air? But there's coming a time according to Scripture, and I'm going to show it to you. There's coming a time according to Scripture when that's going to change, and Satan and his angels will no longer be the prince and power of the air, but they will be forced to have their boat on the earth. Now, you can, write, you can write this down. Write Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 down. But I want you just to turn to Revelation 12, and I want you to look at verse number 10. Revelation 12 and verse number 10. And, and look what our Bible tells us. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the, for the accuser of our brethren. Now, who is that? Well, we know who that is. That's Satan. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Look at verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. So, hey, heaven, rejoice. Heavens, rejoice. Then you say, Pastor, why are they rejoicing? Look what he says. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe, 
Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Demonism will saturate the earth. It's going to be a terrible place to live. We're done. We got to be done. But I wrote this down. Number next is this. Disaster will be the new normal. Disaster will be the new normal. Now you say, Pastor, you do know this is not a very encouraging message. Well, for those that are saved, it can be real encouraging. For those who are lost, not so much. But I'll tell you what it can do. It can be a challenge for you to make sure that you know, 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 that you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Disaster is going to be the new normal. Look at Revelation 6 and verse 7. I told you we're just giving you the thumbnail. That's all we're doing. Revelation 6 verse 7. The Bible says, and when he opened the fourth seal, hey, church, we're just getting started. This right here, we're just getting started with the tribulation. We're not even into the bad stuff yet. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the, notice this, over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Listen, we're just getting started in the tribulation. And the Bible tells us that when that fourth seal is open, one quarter of the world's population will perish. How bad is it going to be? Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 9. So now we've went from the seal judgments. Now we've moved into something called the trumpet judgments. Revelation 9, verse number 14 Revelation 9, verse 14, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, look at this now, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, 13 months, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the, look at this, for to slay the third part of men. So somebody says, Pastor, just how bad is the tribulation gonna be? Well, let me see if I can put it in perspective for you. Back around the 12th century, something came upon our land called the bubonic plague. They called it black death. We didn't have technology we have today. We're very limited on medications and, and, uh, and, 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 and they, they didn't even know where it was coming from. They didn't know that it was coming from infected fleas that were biting rats and those fleas were getting on people and, and uh, carrying that disease to these people. They tell us, and, and they didn't keep records back in this day like they do nowadays, but they tell us somewhere, somewhere around 25 million died from the bubonic plague. 25 million. How many remember back in 2004 when that tidal wave hit Indonesia? Y'all remember that? We watched that wave, and of course, people didn't, they, they, they didn't, they didn't know what was coming, and, and we saw the ocean suck that water way out, and then all of a sudden, here it came, and that wave hit Indonesia, and over 200,000, 200,000 lost their life. You say, Pastor, it's terrible. It is, it is terrible, 
But in terms of the tribulation period, let me tell you something. That's not a drop. It's not a drop. It's not a drop in the bucket. According to Georgetown Bioethics Research Library, 65 million people die every year in the world. Now, I want to say that again. 65 million people die every year in the world. When the sixth trumpet sounds in the tribulation period, according to world population, a billion and a half will die in 13 months. Are you listening to me? That's 115 million people every single month. That's 3.5 million per day. Per day. Now, when 200,000 people died in the tsunami, y'all remember that? They were burying him as fast as they could bury him, but they couldn't bury him fast enough. And so as bad as this was, and I know this is, I know, folks, I know this is a little gross, but you know what? Finally, they had to get heavy equipment out and they had to start digging mass graves to get all those dead bodies put in a grave. You know why? Because disease was beginning to spread. Can you imagine what's going to happen? Went 146,000 per hour. 146,000 per hour will perish. You say, Pastor, you making this up? No. It's going to happen. Based upon the authority of God's word, it's going to happen. You close your Bibles, I'm done. It's 1232. We did pretty good. I don't even, well, I do know why I thought about this, but man, I hadn't thought about this story for years and years. Brother Rusty and I, when we used to be in college, we used to be involved in some ministries. My wife and I were involved in the bus ministry, and I'll, I'll never forget on a certain day, we were, uh, we were running our bus route up in the parks and uh, and we had, two, we had two routes on our bus that day, and we were making our final, we were making our final stop in Melrose Park, Illinois. And, I'll, and, and then it took us an hour to get to church. And, and, uh, and I, you know, we were always behind the gun, always fighting the clock. And, and so we were always rushing, you know. And I, I remember we got to our last stop to pick up uh, uh, Aletha and Camelitha. And, uh, and Zach, who was just little at the time, Zach said, Mama, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And he was just a little thing at the time. And so Miss Tammy said, all right, we're, while we get these kids on the bus, just run out here, you know, thank God for boys, amen, and just run out here and find a place and, and uh, use the bathroom. And so sure enough, little Zach, you know, little Zach trotted off the bus to go find a place to relieve himself. And we were getting these folks on the bus and getting them a seat. And I mean, we got them on the bus and I told the bus driver, I said, close the door. We got to get with it, man. We got to get to church. And man, he closed that door and he put it in driving. We took off. You say, you are a terrible parent. <laughs> and as he took off, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Zach. I said, whoa, Brother Scott, whoa, wait, wait. And I remember looking back. And I remember Zach doing this. <laughs> he was running for that bus with everything he had. And of course, we stopped and apologized and put him on the bus. Wait a minute. You know what he was afraid of? He was afraid he was about to be left behind. Can you imagine 
One of these days when the trumpet of God sounds and the church is called away, salt is gone, light is taken out. And that man of sin, did you know the Bible refers to only one person as the man of sin, the beast, the beast, the dragon is going to come on the scene. And the Bible says, and iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. Wow. Well, I know one thing. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And I'm glad I'm saved. And sometimes the choir sings, I know my name is written there. Boy, I'm thankful I know my name is written there. And I'm going to tell you something, church. I wouldn't give up my salvation for a million bucks. Not for a second. You know why? Because Jesus might come in that second. If you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, we would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house?